0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. If you listen to Radio Parallax on terrestrial radio, and and we hope you do, in addition to those of you who listen to us via podcasts, Then by definition, you're listening to us on one of two stations, either KDVS in Davis or KZFR in Chico. Over the years, we've made appearances on various radio stations, some low power, some on the AM side of the dial, some outside of California. But in recent years, it's been KDVS and KZFR. Now, if you're listening to today's program, one thing is certain, you're not listening on KDVS. Once in a blue moon, like most programming on the station, we face ice sports preemption. So it was that on May 21st, UC Davis baseball versus Cal Poly knocked us off the airwaves. But we're still going to be heard on KZFR. and We're going to make that the theme, I think, of today's program. In fact, in celebration of this, we took a trip up to Chico, where we took the opportunity to sit down with KZFR's general manager, Rick Anderson. We learned quite a bit about KZFR and about some of its excellent programming. That interview will be heard on our second segment today. It turns out that the good people at KZFR are able to celebrate their 25th anniversary of being on the air, which I think technically takes place on July 6th, but they're going to throw a party earlier than that, June 13th, and we'll talk about that when we sit down with Rick Anderson in segment two. We'll also forward promote some other interesting events that they'll be hosting up there in Butte County's fairest metropolis. I think it's fair to call it that. And we hope to uh, have an obituary in our third segment today, at least a partial one related to the passing of The David Letterman Show. or I guess as it's been called on CBS for the past 22 years, Late Night with David Letterman. Letterman got his start as a TV weatherman in Indianapolis. So we're going to do our best to bring you two people that have contributed to this program who themselves were former TV weathermen. Stay tuned for that in segment three. Well, let us begin our show today in the usual fashion. That is starting off with On This Date in History. Our date in question is May 21st. And we note that it was on May 21st in the year 1539 that Indians killed Estevan, a black slave who was the first non-Indian to visit the Pueblo lands of the American Southwest. Estevan was acting as a guide to the party of Fray Marcos de Niza, who had been searching for the legendary cities of gold. Estevan apparently alienated the Pueblo Indians by using the paraphernalia of a Plains Indian medicine man, as well as demanding treasure and women. Coincidentally, I first heard the story of Estevan in reading Charles Mann's 1493. And I'm happy to report that Mr. Mann has agreed to come on Radio Parallax, and we're going to see if we can't bring him on either next week or the week after. Heck of a book, heck of a story. Or more correctly, stories, because the book is filled with interesting ones. (laughs) All right, May 21st, 1881, important day for Mr. McMillan, because it was then that the U.S. Lawn Tennis Association was formed in New York City. And on the same day, in Washington, D.C., Humanitarians Clara Barton and Adolphus Solomons founded the American National Red Cross, an organization established to provide humanitarian aid to victims of wars and natural disasters in congruence with the International Red Cross. Clara Barton was in Europe in the 1870s when the Franco-Prussian War broke out. She went behind the German lines to work for the International Red Cross. In 1873, she returned to the U.S., and four years after that, America got its own branch. On May 21st in 1924, 10-year-old Bobby Franks was abducted and killed in Chicago in what began one of the most sensational murder cases in American history. Two brilliant, wealthy students, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb, were convicted of the crime, which turned out to be a thrill killing to test if they could literally get away with murder. The celebrated attorney, Clarence Darrow, was instrumental in their defense and basically saving them from the noose after which he was richly rewarded by one of the families by stiffing him on his bill, which, frankly, I think he might have had coming. Of course, I would note that it being okay for Clarence Darrow to be stiffed on his defense in the Leopold and Loeb case is an opinion which can in no way be taken as representing that of this station or its sponsors. And finally, on May 21st, 1959, inspired by the life of American stripper Gypsy Rose Lee, the musical Gypsy opened on New York City's Broadway. Of course, the best thing about this item is that it allows us to air a clip of Ethel Merman doing Everything's Coming Up Roses. Long a Radio Parallax favorite. Our quote of the day, and we find this very apropos for this program, comes from Orson Welles, who once said, I prefer people who rock the boat to people who jump out. And no, I'm sorry that I can't do a better Orson Welles. Our quote of the day comes from former House Speaker Jim Wright. Mr. Wright passed away last week. Jim Wright was only the fourth speaker in U.S. history to resign his post amid allegations he was receiving kickbacks from business associates and lobbyists. We must note by way of setting up the quip that as a speaker, he often pitted himself against the Reagan administration and was instrumental in brokering a landmark peace deal between Nicaragua's Contra rebels and President Daniel Ortega's government. This apparently did not endear him to the likes of Newt Gingrich, who spearheaded the push for an ethics investigation. Wright apparently never forgave him. Asked for his feelings toward Gingrich in 1988, Wright said they were, and this is our quip, similar to those of a fire hydrant toward dogs. Our joke for today's program naturally comes from David Letterman. Said David last Monday, unusual weather for New York City. Today it was 68 and foggy. No, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's me. Our stat of the day, and this one's a bit shocking, is that the death toll from faulty ignition switches in general motor vehicles has evidently topped 100. The automaker once estimated it was responsible for just 13 deaths, just 13 deaths, GM's compensation fund is still reviewing 37 other fatalities, this according to CNN Money. Gotta tell you, this item makes us a bit nervous. As uh, cars get more and more high-tech, the idea that the various switches and electronic gizmos in it can kill you is a little disturbing. You know, let's try another stat. How about this one? The graduating class of 2015 is the most indebted in history, owing a total of 56 billion dollars in student loans. Apparently about 71% of college students graduating this year took out loans at an average of $35,000 each. Well, that's not a hell of a lot more uplifting. Uh, Let's try a third stat. How about this one? One inch. That's the apparent height that Mount Everest dropped in the wake of Nepal's magnitude 7.8 earthquake. Apparently as Everest sank, the Annapurna range on the other side of the fault rose by roughly eight inches. Everest does stand to get it back, however, because the lifting of the Eurasian tectonic plate is, in general, lifting the Himalayas by about 0.4 inches every year. All right, for our good news item for this week's program, well, let's do a couple of them, I think. An article in the Washington Post, which we've hung on to for the past couple months, a piece by Rachel Feltman, it's noted that the latest exoskeleton technology doesn't need an outsized power source to boost your strength. It harnesses the power of your own muscles to put a spring in your step. Soon, baby boomers could be using it to keep hiking and jogging just a few years longer. Now, in the pictures, this doesn't look anything like the hulking Iron Man type suits. It looks like a very simple device, much like a leg brace. And apparently, a well-placed spring system makes sure walking about 7% more efficient. That doesn't sound like much, but it is the equivalent of removing a 10-pound backpack. Users report there's a comfortable sort of squishiness for the first 10 minutes, but then it becomes transparent, and you just integrate to it. There's no doubt, however, that when you take it off, you, it's, the reaction is like, whoa! You don't realize how much it helped until it's gone, and then you really feel kind of clunky for a few minutes. This could be a very welcome addition to our elderly population. And how about some good news in the area of solar energy? Apparently, materials that are in the category you would call perovskites, if you're a geologist, in this case, it's actually methyl ammonium lead iodide, are in many cases, semiconductors. The first solar cells made with this material converted 3.8% of the light falling on them into electricity, and they've now got it up to around 20%. And their big plus is that unlike silicon... Perovskites are cheap to turn into cells as long as you can keep water away from them or at least away from their active ingredient. Cheap photovoltaics, that's what we need a lot more of. We hope hope this one pans out. For our anecdote today, we're going to take another example from the life work of David Letterman. In this case, coming to us through the work of Mark Evanier. I think we'll just quote from his website, News From Me. One day, back when John McCain was the GOP nominee for president, he was scheduled to appear on David Letterman's show, but canceled at very close to the last minute, claiming he had to rush back to Washington on vital government business. In what was no doubt a panic, the producers scrambled to find another guest, and they called in Keith Olbermann. In the midst of the taping, Dave learned that the senator from Arizona was not on a plane back to Washington at that moment. He was, in fact, a few blocks away, getting ready to tape an interview with Katie Couric for the CBS Evening News. It was even possible for the crew in the Ed Sullivan Theater to use the CBS in-house feed to view what was going on at that moment in Ms. Couric's studio, where, chatting amiably with her before the interview, was Senator John McCain. Olbermann notes in a nice tribute to Dave that Letterman made the quick decision to address the matter then and there on the show, including putting some of the in-house network feed on his show. I remember watching this. From his desk, he showed America the scene of McCain with Couric and delivered a very funny, spontaneous rant. Mark Evanier notes that Keith Olbermann is omitting one important detail. For a show to do that, to put another show's feed on the air, is a major breach of protocol and probably corporate policy. Mark notes that if the CBS News just grabbed the feed of Dave's taping and used it in their telecast, he would have gone through several roofs with outrage. So what Dave did as heard from someone on the show, was to call Leslie Moonves, the head of CBS, during a break and say, in effect, I want to do this. Is it okay? And Moonves, who probably had about 10 seconds to decide about this unprecedented, sure to uh, irritate someone, said, yeah, go ahead. Evan Year speculates that Moonves said yes because it was David Letterman and only because it was Dave. To which I just add, my God, we are going to miss David Letterman but we do have some amusing traditions we can continue at least on this program, so let's go into the good, the bad, and the ugly, shall we? (laughs) And as is often the case, we're indebted to the good people at The Week magazine for each of these items today. It was a good week this week for celebrities plagued by paparazzi. With the news that a California disc jockey and entrepreneur is pushing a new line of clothing that will make celebrities invisible to the paparazzi. Chris Holmes says his cutting-edge hoodies and scarves are made of retro-reflective material that becomes so bright when hit by a camera's flashbulb that the photo is overexposed and all other parts of the photo, including faces, come out dark. Holmes adds that his invisibility garments are not just for celebrities, saying, quote, pretty much everywhere you go, everyone's got their camera out, adding, the clothing is for everyone to get their consent back. We approve. We don't approve of the next item, however, noting that it was a bad week last week for taking a train while black, with the news that a black man from Detroit who'd evidently saved $16,000 in hopes of starting his own music video business, had his money seized by DE agents on the suspicion that it was drug-related. Yes, evidently Joseph Rivers, age 22, was traveling by train to Los Angeles when agents searched his luggage and seized the cash. Here's the part I like best. A DEA agent explained, we don't have to prove that the person's guilty. The money is presumed to be guilty. Note to the DEA, there's an item you should become familiar with. It's called the U.S. Constitution, specifically the Bill of Rights. The DEA thinks that's a a legal search and seizure and legal justification. Boy, we have to ask what they're smoking. And speaking of greener grass which is an admittedly imperfect segue. We note that it was an ugly week last week for greener grass, with the news that aerial photographs have revealed that estates owned by Barbara Streisand, Jennifer Lopez, Kim Kardashian, and Kanye West still boasted green lawns and lush gardens despite water restrictions imposed during the worst drought in California history. Of course, in Radio Parallax's opinion, the worst part about this story is what people are making of it. If you really think that Barbara Streisand not cutting back her water to the point where her grass is now brown is significantly affecting you, well, then you too may need to switch to cigarettes that have labels on them. Our crazy water policies, which reward wastage and uh, people who have water rights dating back to the settling of California coupled with delivery contracts that punish you if you don't use the water. In other words, use it or lose it. All of that has a lot more to do with why we're in trouble here in California's drought than does Kim Kardashian's foliage. By the way, we think Kim Kardashian's foliage would be a good name for a band. And speaking of foliage, we would note that it was probably both a good and bad week last week for coca eradication with the news that Columbia has stopped its program of destroying illegal coca crops from the air, citing World Health Organization findings that the herbicide glyphosate is probably carcinogenic. Over the past two decades, more than 4 million acres have been sprayed with the weed killer, which is the main ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup, in a U.S.-sponsored program. For their part, Colombian researchers have found an increase in miscarriages in the sprayed regions. While... Peru and Bolivia sent workers into coca fields to rip out the plants by hand. Colombia resorted to aerial spraying, supposedly because armed FARC rebels guarded the Colombian fields. We talked some weeks back about discussing Agent Orange and the great fiasco in Southeast Asia that resulted from uh, the aerial spraying. We haven't forgotten about that, but we won't be able to get to it today. All right, we talked about sugar on this program uh, well, a couple of years ago, actually, and, and, and more than once while we were at it. But uh, there appears to be a groundswell rising against fructose. Well, this is, although this is going over some of the same ground we've covered before, I think I'm going to read from the week's summary of what researcher Dr. Kathleen Page told the New York Times. Said the magazine, not all sugars are created equal. Glucose and fructose are simple sugars, naturally found in fruit, and have the same number of calories, but new research suggests there are important differences as how the body responds to them. While glucose is absorbed directly into the bloodstream, fructose, which is used to sweeten soft drinks and processed foods, is metabolized in the liver. The body reacts to glucose in the blood by producing insulin, which triggers feelings of fullness. Fructose doesn't stimulate insulin secretion, and if there's no insulin, you don't get the information that you're full. The times goes on. Consuming fructose also triggers more activity in areas of the brain involved in reward processing, which intensifies cravings for high-calorie foods such as candy, cookies, and pizza. Researchers don't recommend that people forego fruit, since it provides fiber and nutrients and has relatively small amounts of fructose compared with soft drinks and processed foods. But researchers say it does make sense to limit overall sugar intake. To which we would add, with emphasis on the fructose. By the way, if you're getting worried about this, it is possible to buy pure glucose. Mr. Merlin did so a few months ago, and ever since then, I've been using it to sweeten my coffee. And I think you would agree, Mr. Merlin, it's it's pretty much uh, substitutable for table sugar. It's not quite as sweet, but it certainly will do. Yeah, something to think about. And someone that we don't find overly sweet, and we trust you don't either, dear listener, is our good pal America's foremost political comic, Mr. Will Durst.
1: Hey guys, Will Durst here to ask the question on every American's lips, what kind of an idiot actually wants to be President of the United States? Who are these people? Masochists? Sadists? Sadomasochists? Maso-sadists? Folks who obviously failed to pay close attention during past elections? Can't be for the money. Salary is only four hundred grand a year, about equal to a mid-level porn producer. Of course, if either Hillary Clinton or Carly Fiorina wins, we'd only have to pay them 73% of that. Nobody's running for their health. The pressure is brutal. We've all seen how presidents age while they're in office. Obama's so gray on top, he's starting to look like a snow-capped mountain pass. Thank God John McCain didn't win in 2008. He's starting out a sarcophagus. By the end of his first term, he would have looked like a rubber Yoda hand puppet shriveled in the Arizona sun. Now don't tell me it's for the influence, because criticism is the candidate's only companion. The election's 17 months away, yet anyone even considering making a run is having their every move raked over like a beach near the crash site of a jet carrying the world's largest blue diamond shipment. Who in their right mind wants to be president? Aye, there's the rub. The right mind part. Can't be for the power. A president is buffeted by the winds of fate. As ineffective as a weatherman in an outhouse hit by a tornado. Campaigning for the presidency is like trying to get hired as a lion tamer. But then they take away your clothes, your whip, and your chair. Paint dashes around your neck and make you wear a sign saying, Bite here. I think the best way to look at it is anybody who wants to be elected president shouldn't be. For Radio Parallax, I'm Wilkins.
0: And in conjunction with that, we have to add a quote which we found on a blog titled Classically Liberal, which in a piece titled Anyone Who Wants the Office is Unfit to Have It said, the Constitution sets some conditions before an individual can be elected as President of the United States. I want to modify those conditions. I want to add a five one proviso. I think any president ought to have to prove that he or she was born on Krypton. I don't know. Even if we got Superman in the White House, I think the Republicans would start stockpiling kryptonite. Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax who disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great...